Hello and welcome to the Paranormalist Podcast. As always, I am your host, Kenny Dodson, and I am here with author and paranormalist, Patty Wilson. Patty, what's going on? Oh, not a whole lot, except the world seems to be very paranormally active right now. Really? I've picked up three cases in the last week. Oh, I'm not surprised. Lots of negative energy out there. But are we talking about negative energy today? No, what are we talking not. about? Goblins. Goblins? Oh, I thought we were talking about gnomes. <laughs> well, goblins and gnomes are pretty much the same thing. Oh, all right. Because I wore my gnome shirt. Did you really? Yeah. No, because they come from the same category. They're the same. They're actually like part of the same genre, gen, you know, generally speaking. Okay. Well, that's okay. Yeah. I'll show off my shirt anyway to the people you on video. You show off your shirt. Go ahead. Well, I, I was going to show off my shirt, but check mm -hmm. it out. Do, can you even see them? They like they, they're illuminated just a little bit. That's because I've basically washed off. This, this shirt is so old. It's basically washed the whole logo off. Mm -hmm. So you can't read it anymore, but it used to say uh, chilling with my gnomies and oh, some pictures okay. of gnomes. And then, yeah, you can see the print and that's about it. Yeah. So you really can't see it. But uh, that was going to be my thing. And then I came across something else that was going to be relevant to gnomes today. Okay. You have a gnome? Yeah. Well, sort of. I was walking in the store and I came across a lottery ticket. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I thought maybe gnomes are lucky, you know, like leprechauns. Right. So I bought this lottery ticket. Okay. It says, know me the money. <laughs> so You're being all know me today. I know. That's, that's two gnome puns for the price of one here. So, but we're not even talking about that. So let's talk well, about no, goblins. Well, no, wait. Goblins and gnomes, like I said, come out of the same genre. In fact, there's all kinds of different types of goblins, including gnomes. Okay. Wait, they're a type of goblin? I don't even know what a goblin is, Patty. I, I just realized this. We talked about this off air. Sit back and relax and learn. Right. Well, you know, they say ghosts and goblins. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about Halloween and everything. Growing up, you hear that, and I just never thought about. I, I thought it was like some monster or something. I didn't think about what it was, and never did until you said it. So, take me away. What is it? So, goblins are these creatures that populate the earth. They are known to be everywhere from on mountain tops to deep inside of mines. They can be. They're small creatures, hence the concept of the gnome, um, which is one form of them. And uh, they can be very evil. They are thieves. They don't eat babies like the last ones did, the trolls. But they steal, they, they roam the earth and steal all sorts of goods and belongings that they find, like jewelry, things of that nature. And they can impart terror. Um, on on human beings and they they do give the feeling that they can be dangerous and hurtful they don't deliberately set out to eat babies but they could definitely kill people if they want to so there are we're going to talk a little bit about all the different types there are and a few other things that go along with it and then some stories of goblins and gnomes that have been seen so 
the word goblin has a lot of different spellings, G-O-B-L-Y-N, G-O-B-L-I-N, which is the most common we know, G-O-B-B-E-L-I-N, and many, 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 many more. Um, they're unpleasant, vengeful, greedy little creatures that seem to enjoy causing humankind problems. They, they don't seem to like humans very much. They... They usually try to get the better of them and, and do whatever they do at the expense of humans. They're from Europe originally. Um, there is, however, one population of goblins that are kinder and more neutral. But they all have their interesting attributes. They are fairy-like, hence they're part of the fey folk. Um, but some of them are considered kind of demonic. So there's a crossover between what we consider fairies and, and gnomes and, and all, goblins and all of that, and that they may very well be somehow connected with demonic entities. Um, they are able to use magic to do harm or to charm people and paralyze them. Um, they're often very ugly, often um, looking like old men, although... Many of the more ancient depictions look more like young boys. Uh, they have all kinds of appearances over the course of time. So they're considered like there are these sub-races of them. So we're going to go through a few of those. Um, so goblins, they have a variety of looks, but most of them seem to have um, green skin and um, unruly hair. Well, if you would go back to months and months ago we talked about the green children who came out of that cave in france mm -hmm. when i read about this i was like i wonder if that has anything to do with it but they're supposed to have a green tint to their skin but there are and there are like 10 different types of goblins called sub races sub races sorry um they have their own appearance their own abilities and things that they can do so there is um the tro or the kobold and they can actually turn into human beings. They can look like human beings. But they're usually small and ugly, very ugly in stature. We're going to come across the kobold later when I tell the stories. There's one in um, California that seemed to have been particularly nasty. They are... Um, they can be territorial, which reminds me very much of an elemental. That's what I was going to ask you, if they're related I don't know that they are related, but I can't tell you they're not related because they have a lot of the same characteristics, although elementals will appear in multiple different forms. But they just kind of reminded me that. Then there's hobgoblins. Um, they're kind of dark and shaggy-haired and kind of very small, kind of like the um, traditional fairies that are called the brownies, the little tiny brownies. Um, they don't cause harm and they're just mostly practical jokers and they seem to have kind of a kind of a relation a teasing relationship with human beings they tend to um, make friends among the humans and so do what the next kind which are called knockers so as in tommy knockers mm -hmm. And they obviously work in mines. Um, they befriend human miners. Sometimes they get very attached to a human being. They require that um, you leave a tribute. So it might be a little pan of milk or um, some, some bread or something like that. 
as a thank you for the Tommy knockers because supposedly the Tommy knockers or the knockers will go along and they'll find the faults and they'll um, protect the miners from disaster by tapping in an area to tell you to stay away from it or things of that nature. What about, I mean, some of these sound like it's not what a gremlin is, is it? No. Is that a totally different thing? Yes. Okay. Um, Because a gremlin is um, a creature that causes trouble on purpose. And like a Tommyknocker or a knocker is just a real, he tries to protect people as a general rule. Now, if you piss them off, they'll cause harm and they'll let you dig in an area where you could cause a mine collapse or something. But that's why miners would always give them a small amount of, they'd leave them food, sometimes even a couple coins um, to thank them for their work beside them. Sounds like the trolls So that we just talked about. Uh, if people weren't aware, the trolls was the patron episode yes. from this week. So they're all, it just, they all seem related. It's so weird well, that it's, it's all entire, like a hodgepodge. Yeah, it's, a, it's like a community. Right. Um, so then there's the puka, which is um, kind of like a hobgoblin in attitude, but um, it often takes the form of a dark horse. Now, there is a puka in Irish folklore as well, and that is often considered to be taking the form of a black dog. So they are related in some way. Now, I can't give you the specifics, but they are. Another that is the um, something called the bogey. You've heard of people talking about the bogey or the boogeyman. Well, the bogey was actually um, very tiny, maybe only a couple inches high. They are um, very difficult to kill because they're so tiny and so quick. But they're like little tiny men, maybe eight inches high approximately so that's what a boogeyman is that's what the boogie is whenever somebody says about the bogey or the boogie yeah that's what it really is okay because i thought the boogeyman was kind of like a almost like a person apparition well it is the way we see it in, in our culture today but the original form was this little tiny eight to ten inch creature that moved about very quickly, scurried about, if you will. Hmm. Now, the, the hog boon is a very friendly goblin who seems to like people. And he doesn't really look like a goblin. He kind of looks like a, a person. But later on, you'll figure out after you've had an experience with one that, that you've encountered one of them instead. Um, the Tengu is something that kind of looks like a Chinese demon dog, but it also will take the form of a bird. And um, they are actually um, found in China. The Buddhists call them um, guardian spirits. So they, they tend to stay over in the, um, in the eastern part of the world. So they're good ones? Well, they seem to, they look terribly ugly and demonic like, but according to the Buddhist monks, they are um, a guardian spirit. Hmm. Then there's the Kilikant Zaro, which is a Greek mythical creature, if you will. Um, they're very tall, long, lean. They almost remind me of the Greek version of a vampire, the way they look. Um, but they don't have um, the temperament, the same temperament. Um, then there's the uh, Kokuska, 
which um, is actually kind of like a mermaid. But these are very dangerous. Remember we had, when we did the mermaid episode, we talked about there being different types? Yeah. This is the kind that becomes very dangerous and is deliberately setting out traps to drown people. With the purpose of? Killing them. Eating them? No, not okay. necessarily. They just don't like them. Oh. So you will find goblin stories all throughout Europe, obviously China, um, the Scandinavia, the British Isles, the United States. Um, it could come, the name could have come from about a half a dozen places. So it could have been the old French spelling of the word goblin, G-O-B-E-L-I-N, um, or it could have come from Greek or German or Latin roots. All of them have a word that sounds kind of like goblin or goblinus or something like that. And it means demon or devil. You will find them written about at the beginning of the Middle Ages. And then from there forward, you'll come across other, you know, references to them quite frequently. Um, in Scandinavian countries, they have the gnome, which is a version of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, they often were considered like um, farm hands, if you will. They served a purpose on the farm. They were little gray-clad men with red caps and long beards who lived in the vicinity and um, would help the local farmer. So, um, you know, that was one of the things that was interesting about those ones. They... Um, they liked, if you didn't employ one of them, then the devil would come and seek you out. So you didn't want to get rid of your, um, of your gnome figure. Because that would have gotten you into a lot of trouble. Hmm. So, and there's stories and legends, like there's a story about a farmer who fired, who got rid of his, um, of his gnome, his tomti, which is what they're called in some of the different languages, um, who was very hardworking and helped him a great deal. But because he was afraid of them and ghosts and things like that, he wanted all supernatural creatures off of his farm. So even though he had made this farmer very prosperous, um, the farmer eventually evicted him from the land. And she, he was warned, um, you know, by a little girl that if you don't keep him and double his salary after you've insulted him so, um, then, you know, you will find great misfortune. And the farmer laughed and said that she was very funny and hello and ha ha ha. So, um, she, uh, she attended, she ended up being right. And the farmer had great misfortune after he got rid of this little fella. And his farm went, his animals went dry, his ground, you know, dried out and everything quit growing. And, and he pretty much lost the place because of it. Well, that was rude on his part. It was. If the little guy wasn't doing anything, it was just helpful. I mean. He was, he was indeed. And, and you will see, um, like, if you go back into that time period, you're going to see that the little gnomes or. Um, were often depicted originally as very small boys, you know, only a few, a, a foot, maybe a foot and a half high, and that over the course of time, they seem to have aged. You'll find there's a kind called the Yule Boys, um, and they're part of Icelandic lore, 
very tiny little fairies, if you will. And I think that's where a lot of our stuff about like the um, elves and the dwarves and all these different things come from. Because you will find that there's a great many of those kinds of stories. And they almost all show these little figures to look, you know, like little people, but either very young teenage boys or um, older men. Well, I'm glad that there is a David the Gnome-esque style before you get into all the scary ones. <laughs> I was I was hoping they weren't all bad because I got some little statues watching over me right now. So, uh, I, I, you know. <laughs> so, getting into the stories, um, let's talk a little bit about it. I actually came across this because um, our friend who does his own videos... Um, he asked me to check into it a little bit because he wanted some stories for a video he's doing on gnomes. So I agreed to do it and to appear in the videos and what have you. So, and, um, one of the things I found is that in Easton, Pennsylvania, there is a story, a traditional story about there being a goblin and it's called the goblin of Easton. So basically the story goes that back around the mid to late 1700s, there was supposed to be a monastery there and several monks lived in the monastery. One of the monks was um, very anxious to hear confessions. You know, like a priest would hear confessions. Yeah. He would hear confessions all the time. And the other priests and monks were very... Um, at first very appreciative i mean i would imagine that's kind of a boring job to sit all day and listen to people tell you all their their dirt you know right but eventually they began to watch and wonder a little bit about why this guy was so into it well eventually it comes out that what was going on for quite a long time several years is he would get the dirt on what local people were doing and then he would blackmail them and sometimes even kind of encourage it um, in a backhanded way. And then he would go to them and he would say, you know, something along the lines of, well, if you don't pay me a ransom, I'm going to tell everybody that you're dating the baker's wife or whatever, you know, and to the baker's wife, he would go and he would say, well, if you don't give me, you know, my bread for free and, you know, so much money every so often, um, I'm going to tell your husband on what you're doing. So he was basically blackmailing the entire town. And, um, it so happened that there was this one old lady that was very, he thought was very well to do. And he tried to blackmail her, but she really wasn't. She was what I would have called genteel poor. She had had money at one time, but it kind of went away. Mm -hmm. So she kept telling him she just didn't have the money. She just didn't have the money. Well, eventually because of her, um, she denounced him in public and it all came tumbling out. Well, he, um, he attacked her and killed her, according to the legend. And then he gets tried for her murder. Well, the other priests and, and the monks and what have you are devastated. And they realize that all along this man was a very evil man masquerading as one of them. So they testify against him about how you know, he would disappear and come back from town with these offerings. And they find that he has a huge um, 
pile of, you know, not much huge, like big rooms, but he has a considerable pile of gold in his room when he had taken a vow of poverty um, and what have you. So he's tried for the murder of this woman. And there are witnesses that he did it. There was a woman who was a neighbor who saw him going in. That She heard a fight. It drew her attention. Then there was some screaming. And then he left very rapidly. And when she went over to check on her, the old lady had been killed. She had been struck and hit. And um, her head had been, her skull had been smashed in. So that's how they knew it had to have been him. And... He's executed. Now, this is where the story gets interesting. The moment he's executed, the um, undertaker, the person who's come to take the body to bury it, he wasn't going to be buried in consecrated ground because he was a murderer, um, helps to you know lift the body down off the gallows and lays it in this cart to carry it away. And as they're standing there watching this body, the priests and the townspeople, um, one of them says, oh, my God, look at that. It's what's going on? He's not dead. And the body begins to switch and twitch and he comes back up and he's, he says to them, Oh, you thought you could kill me. Didn't you? Well, I don't die. And in front of them, he morphs into this hideous, um, goblin creature with claws on his feet and long hair and, and what have you. And he laughs at them and he jumps down, you know, they're all horrified. They can't believe what their eyes are seeing. And he takes off running into the woods. Well, supposedly over the next few months, the priests who gave testimony against him are one by one found murdered. And it's believed to have been this goblin from Easton. So um, the remaining priests are obviously very badly spooked and they decide to pack up shop and head elsewhere. And so they leave the town. But he's never been found. Supposedly, he's still out there somewhere in the wild. And as he's a goblin, his aging process would be vastly different from ours. Or none at all. Or none right? at all. I mean, if he's if he's magical, if he, if he, maybe he sold his soul to the. I mean, if the, he can be hung. <laughs> the devil. And not be or, dead. Well, he was hung before he did. Yeah. He died, and before he, um, re, you know, morphed into a, a goblin. Right. But, you know, and, and he was, um, there is actually a, a practice in, not that it's an, an, um, a good practice and not that the Catholic Church endorses it, but at one time the Catholic Church did endorse something called simony, which was whenever priests would take a tribute or pay to um, have people's sins removed. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. And he thought it kind of, he made the argument at his, his trial that um, he was only doing that. And that it was a well-established practice in the church. But it isn't what he was doing. He was blackmailing people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a terrible practice. It was a terrible practice. Is that the same as the, you pay us this much and you get into heaven? Yes. Or is that a different one? Because they did that too. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, it's just... um, Part of the weirdness of what what happened. Now, the fact of the matter is there is no written record of there ever being a group of priests living in the eastern area that disappeared or were murdered. But the story has persisted for quite a long time. So I don't know where the origins of it came from, but you can find it written about in literature in um, the early 1900s in the, you know, in, in the... Um, 
so it's and it's being referred to as an old legend mm-hmm. at that point. So it, it obviously existed for quite a while, whatever it was. What about the lady? Was there was she did she exist or Well, there's obviously been people who were murdered, but it's really hard to tell right. if she was murdered by the by him or not. But there is there are, I should say there's there are stories of um this and it just seems to have been these non-ending stories that have never died down. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of towns and stuff that have their little legend, right? Yeah, there that are. Orally passed down it, and survived. And so, yeah, and, and not everything gets written down right away. And like a lot of times, the first times you find it will be maybe um, somebody's journal or a letter to a friend or something like that. And it might be a well-established fact for, you know, years and years and years prior to that. But just not written down anywhere because we have to realize most history was passed down orally. People didn't really read as a common thing for many, 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 many years. So the idea that, you know, they wrote it down in the 1600s or the 1700s isn't necessarily um, accurate. A lot of people did not read. Schools were not mandatory. And, you know, in lots of populations, they didn't have that luxury of learning and going to school people don't think of school as a luxury today they don't think of it as an advantage because it's commonplace and so people have gotten very blasé about it but the truth of the matter is less than 100 150 years ago schools were an absolute luxury that only the very wealthy could afford Hmm. so that's how these survive yeah they survived as as oral traditions (coughs) as a lot of history did I'm dying. Hold on. <laughs> Why are you dying? I don't know. Well, if you're going to take a drink, so am I. When you're ready, let me know. Okay. Okay, you're ready? Yes. Okay. So, um, you know, I found that story to be really fascinating. There are some other kind of cool stories. In fact, um, just recently, there's a place called Salta in Argentina where they claim that these gnome-like creatures are assaulting people. And there's like these photographs and what have you, these little ugly shadowy figures that are like scurrying down streets and what have you. Um, now some of the, there's actually video footage and stuff. Some of it I would have to tell you are definitely faked, but um, the stories have been coming out of there quite rapidly. In Argentina, you said? In Argentina, yeah. And they're labeled as goblins or a specific yeah. kind? No, they don't name them as, as a specific type, just that they are goblins. Okay. However, the person who read who wrote the article that I was reading on it, they said that they did not believe they were woodland creatures or fairies or anything like that, but that they were a tiny race of aliens. That, you know, that these things have been visiting us for many, many years and... Um, that we just simply haven't paid attention to them until, and we see them and we made up our own stories to go with it. And now they're, you know, they're looking for them, but the South Central and South American countries, um, have a lot of stories of that. Huh? Well, I'm watching, uh, this anime called Goblin Slayer in preparation because I knew this was coming up and I'm like, what is a goblin? And basically what they fight in that is what looks like this. They have like pointy ears. They're little and green and kind of shriveled in the face. 
and that's kind of how they are presented in that and this looks exactly like that does it really yeah so i mean is there anybody that said it's fake um, the second sighting, but not the first one. And I know that in Buenos Aires in Argentina in 2008, there's a story about a uh, a tree cutting crew. They were basically, um, you know, just cutting down and trimming back trees. And they, this particular crew had been um, cutting back um, a eucalyptus tree that was huge and old, probably about 100 years old or a little more. And you actually find the entire story if you go to Phantoms and Monsters and Key It In. It's in there. But um, according to them, the tree had basically gotten kind of dangerous, branches hanging way out over the road and what have you. And um, so they had, it had been slated to be uh, cut back really severely. And um, the uh, story goes that there were numerous witnesses that said that they had seen little men with brownish clothes coming out of the stumps in single file form heading across the, um, the roadway that night, almost as though they were moving out. Hmm. I watched the video of that one thing and it looks fake. I'm just saying. As I said, one of the second one is said the one with the baby. That's the one that looks fake to me. But it's believed that they hide in the trees and um, but some of the gnarly faces you see in the trees are actually them pressing out to look and see what's going on. And it's believed that they moved into um, other trees in the area. So where, well, do they live in trees or like down underground, like a hollowed Poss- out tree? Possibly both. Okay. They can live in the inside the tree or down under the tree and come up out through the tree. So there's another report from 1996 of a researcher in South America by the name of Albert um, Rosales. And he was in Chile when he took an account from a group of school kids who said that they saw processions of tiny men only about a foot tall walking through a clearing. The um, figures were wearing brightly colored clothing of different colors and hid behind trees whenever they thought they were being observed. They were shy and um, they were, um, you know, seemed to be very leery of people. But there was one who was dressed all in black who seemed very bold compared to the rest and more aggressive. And he took off from the group and was running at the children to try to scare them, throwing, shrieking and yelling and throwing rocks, which of course scared the kids because they didn't know what the hell they were saying. And they took off and went and told their, um, their families. And that's how he basically heard about the stories that from hearing the family got to the area. Um, but the rest of them were very clearly, um, were, very clearly dressed in bright colors, reds, greens, whites, things like that. And the other thing that he writes about that seemed very, um, very interesting and possibly sinister is the fact that even though the black one chased them off, the other colored ones, the red and the green and the white colored red, you know, dressed ones were motioning the kids to come with them. Mm-hmm. Which kind of is creepy. I mean, it kind of gives me the creeps to think that they could have walked off with these kids, maybe took them out into the wilderness and swallowed them up somehow down into the earth, 
And there are stories of things like that. And remember, I said that one of the things they do have, they do sometimes is harm the humans. And that would have been a group of, you know, kids that it could have harmed. Right. So what do you got to look for if they're playing near a clearing, like a, near the edge of the woods? Well, just don't follow any gnomes anywhere, yeah. <laughs> okay? Don't follow any any trolls. Don't follow any anything like that. No goblins. Strangers. They're all strangers. No strangers. He's stranger danger. And that's, you can't get much stranger than that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> if you don't know this gnome, don't go over there. That's right. If you have not encountered him before, stay away. <laughs> and maybe if you have encountered him before, stay away. Well, I was going to say, or if you've encountered him before, don't turn him away. As we've well, seen. Maybe, you you know, it depends on what what's going on. Now, there's a website called Paranormal About. And they tell a story there from um, 2003 about a guy in Texas who was um, had got to take his dog out for a walk. The dog broke free and was chasing something through his big yard. And um, at first, of course, the guy's first thought was he's chasing a dog or a squirrel or a cat or something like that. And um, he's running up behind the dog trying to catch it, you know, get a hold of its lead and get it back under control. And this thing is just going nuts and as he gets close to where the dog has something pinned he sees what he calls a, a creature with a pointed hat and a white beard dressed in a clown suit without the big shoes or the nose and it's just about a foot tall he says the man panicked and kind of ran back to the house um with dragging his dog behind him and when he looked out he saw the creature was eating out of the bird feeder in his backyard and then it kind of jumped down. It, it ran across his porch. It smiled at him and caught his eye as though to say, I see you watching me. And then disappeared and he never saw it again. Hmm. Bird feeder, huh? Well, it makes sense. It would eat something like that. Yeah. And there's this, you know, there's this wonderful supply of fresh put out food for something. So if it was eating grains and what have you, I could see that it would, you know, be drawn to something like that. It's kind of like a honeypot to it, you know? Right. So don't put out any food in your yard either. Well, I mean, they can probably <laughs> get into all kinds of stuff. There are kinds Boy, of all these new roles to follow now. That's right. If you don't want to see a gnome, blah, 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 <laughs> you know? But then sometimes they want tribute. Ah! Uh, ah! Uh, okay. Well, that, that if if you're in a if you're mining in a in a cave or a uh, mine somewhere, you may want to take some milk and bread with you, and maybe a couple coins to pay them to ask them to keep you safe. Other than that, please stay away from them. Steer clear. All right. That's right. So there's a place called Kennedy, Texas, where um, there was this uh, gas line worker who was working on uh, um, the gas lines out that way one evening when he saw something out of the corner of his eye. He was you know, he saw the motion of it moving. And when he looked at it more closely, it appeared to be a small man, a, only a couple feet high. And he was dressed in these very strange outlandish clothing. Um, supposedly he took a picture of it, but I've never um, seen anything like that. So I can't tell you. He said it was about three o'clock in the morning. And there were four of them at the plant. Um, he was actually... He had a camera on him because he was using a camera to take some pictures of some stuff that needed to be fixed. 
to show them what parts they needed to replace. So he already had the camera handy. That's why he said he did it. Hmm. And the interesting part about that is when you read the actual article, um, the guy said that he called the, that they were um, so creeped out by what he saw that they called the police. And um, the police also stated later for the our reporter that that same night was crazy night because they also had 26 ufo calls really it's all connected yep all of it yep and i don't think in the ways that most people think it's connected so um and i have seen the picture the picture just kind of gives you um actually have a copy of it it's like a little figure and he looks almost like he's dressed in primitive type clothing. And he, he only looks, judging from the debris around him and what have you, um, he only looks to be about a foot high, maybe. Yeah, this one looks a lot more real to me. Is that the one you're looking it's, at? Like yeah. He looks like he's in a plant or something? Yeah, it looks like he's wearing almost like a, like you said, caveman attire. Kind of clothing, yeah. yeah. It's very primitive. Other than that, so, you can't really make out much of them. It's it's a fascinating story, though, you have to admit. Mm -hmm. um, so there's an, another, I'll go, I'm trying to give the sites if I can remember them. So I think there's one called Thought Co., Co Thoughts Co., um, the word thought, and then add CO to the end of it. And this story goes back to 1965 to the Salmon River. Um, and the story there is that while this gentleman and his sons were hunting elk, out on the near the river um they had um the group split up to try to cut off a herd you know how they'll run deer or something like that yeah well one of the guys stopped because he was just tired he was you know exhausted from running down through the woods and walking all day so he's sitting there on a on a boulder and according to this the um they were, he was sitting there kind of stripping off a little bit of his gear. He was really hot. He got a drink of water and he's just catching his breath when he felt a rock go whizzing past his head. As he turned, he thought it was one of his brothers like playing a prank on him. You know, guys will do. Mm -hmm. When he noticed that there were footprints in the soft dust under his feet and he looked in the like little tiny feet, footprints, almost like squirrel sized footprints, maybe slightly larger, but they were definitely human looking. Like if you had taken a Barbie doll mm -hmm. and walked it through the soft dirt. And he's like looking and another rock goes whizzing by and he's still like, what the hell is that? And, you know, and it looks like that whatever it was had gone behind or underneath the, the boulder he's sitting on. So um, it kind of creeped him out because his dad used to tell him stories that in the Indians in the area said that there were little men who lived under the boulders and in the crevices of the mountains and what have you. So he kind of gets up off of it and he gets a, he gathers up his stuff and he knew a little, um, he had, you know, he lived in the area his whole life and there's the Shoshone Indians are in that area. He, he knew a couple little things to say. So he said to them in Shoshone, I'm leaving. I didn't mean to disturb you. And he walked away and as he's going downhill away from it, kind of looking for his dad, he hears these little feet running behind him and he's afraid to look back. Um, 
but when he gets to his dad and his brothers, he tells them that there's these forest spirits and that these spirits were, you know, chasing him away from this area. Now, here's something that makes this story fascinating in many other ways to me. We've been talking an awful lot about boulders and um, rock piles and stuff like that. We talked about it significantly last week when we did the other patron podcast for the trolls. Mm hmm. And here we are looking at boulders and rocks and stuff like this again, right? And for those who don't know, I have three toddlers in my living room right now. So if you hear babies crying, that's what it is. <laughs> and there are people watching them. I can hear them screaming in the background. <laughs> in the comments, there's the sound of babies in the background. What's going on there? <laughs> yeah, they're being tortured because they're hungry and their supper's almost ready. But anyway, I just thought I'd tell you because I've actually had people listen to the podcast and I've had people from other podcasts who have had to tell people, no, the voice you hear in the background was my kids crying. It wasn't a ghost talking to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I, I type in like, no, that was a malfunction with Skype. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think a lot of people want it to be paranormal, but yes. sometimes so it's just not. All you're listening to are my grandkids crying while my son and his his fiance are feeding them because you can't feed three kids that fast enough. Right. No matter what you do. <laughs> That's true. So anyhow, but to go back to the rocks. Now, those of you who are familiar with the 411 books and David Polites, one of the precursors for a lot of these disappearances in the wilderness is near the water and in boulder fields. So I thought that was fascinating that we have that, you know, that combination coming up again and again and again. And the unlikeliness of the fact that these, ent these entities seem to want to harm people, which fits us right in that ballpark. Right. Well, do they have any... Like when people see them, do they get like a fear inducing sensation, like an elemental? Yeah, most of them seem to be able to um, to seem to be very terrified of them. Not just I mean, we're looking at a dude who's a foot high versus a dude who's six foot high. You know, like you could step on him. Right, right. But the, the instinct seems to be run. Like these things just give off that air. You need to get your ass in gear and get out of here. Because they're going to hurt you. How they're going to hurt you, I don't know. But they do seem to have the ability to, to perform some sort of magic to paralyze you, things like that. And you can go back through folklore, fiction, and nonfiction, you know, like the Lilliputians. Um, you know, we're little tiny people, but enough of them managed to pin down Gulliver and Gulliver's travels. Right. And so, you know, you know th that might just be an instinct we have to stay the heck away from them. So... I, but I do think it's fascinating that um, that these stories exist. So there's, you know, and there's all kinds of places where you can actually go and find stories like this. Reddit has some stories um, about people who have seen them in forests in the United States. There's one about the Cherokee National Forest where a woman and her boyfriend were out walking and um, came across one. Um, there's stories where people have um found them in caves and you know wondered what it was they saw or uh, there's even a story about a person who got lost in a cave as a child two boys who got lost in a cave as a child and one of these figures came out holding the traditional little lantern really you know little tiny light so you know like the knockers would have carried and it 
it, it notion for them to follow. I didn't speak to them, but um, it started to f- lead them further back into the caves. And eventually they realized they were getting all twisted up and they needed to go back. Um, they f- started to see lights up ahead. Um, and according to them, they saw a little room like off the side of that long path that they were on. And they could see lights being admitted from lanterns back in there. Little tiny lanterns, like little tiny mini, mini lanterns. And um, there were several men sitting there with little beards and little strange hats. And they were playing with these huge cards that had symbols on them. And they said the men were incredibly short, only a couple feet tall. And they had these... um, big buckles on their shoes and now isn't that kind of the classical story of a dwarf sounds like it yeah you know and then that they got scared and they started to run and they finally eventually took them a couple hours but they figured out how to get out of there um and they said that these entities and whatever they were didn't even seem to notice that they were there hmm you know, so there's um, and you can get them from all over the world in Russia in 1989. Um, there's a magazine called the UFO Zone, and they had a witness in there who in July of that year said she was sleeping in her apartment when she awoke with this terrible feeling of dread. Um, she opened her eyes and saw a short figure crouched over her with pale gray complexion. He looked ancient with dark black eyes and a sparse beard. There was another one in the room with her and she saw him and he was younger and um, he stared at her before he just blinked into a dot of light and disappeared. And when she and she passed out, when she came back to it was gone. Um, There's stories of. Of a, t- of a young boy who um, woke up in the middle of the night and found one laying, this is in the United States, he found one laying on his chest and it was sitting on his chest, basically riding his chest and smothering him. And he tried to breathe and he was fighting with it, trying to get it off of him. And it was immensely heavy, even though it was very small. I mean, it's something that's a foot tall. Yeah, it shouldn't. Or two feet tall shouldn't be that heavy. Right. But this nine-year-old little boy couldn't push it off. And he's gasping and he's thinking he's going to die. And it leaned over and it stole his breath. And he passed out. And when he came to in the morning, the first thought he had was, oh, my God, is it still here? And he's looking all around. He, he swore up and down it was not a nightmare, that he physically awoke to this thing stealing his breath, which there are lots of folk stories about things that steal your breath in your sleep. For what purpose? Is it not just air? I think it's no. I think it, stealing your breath has something to do with stealing your spirit. Isn't there a thing? Um, I don't know if it's Hindu or I don't know. There's, there's a belief where, and I just heard this, but I can't pinpoint what it was where every time you breathe, you breathe out a bit of yourself. There's a belief that you breathe so out like a little you, bit of your spirit. Yeah. yeah. So if you like breathe out your mouth, your entire life, you're going to have a shorter life, something like that. I don't know. It's, it's kind of relevant to this, but yeah. And like in that story, the last story, like after that happened, the family suddenly started having poltergeist activity in the house. Hmm. 
which they had no problems with that kind of thing previously, but footsteps, things falling out of nowhere. So it kind of reminds you of um, the poltergeist story. Maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, my first taste of that gnomes weren't like David the gnome uh, was, I, I don't know if it was the documentary for HBO that I saw about sleep paralysis, yes. but that's the first time I heard about them being like not nice was that people with sleep paralysis tend to have either aliens uh, or like a single entity or gnomes. Mm-hmm. So all related, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there are just so many stories. There's a story from 1969 in Indiana of a woman who woke up in the middle of the night um, and she had left her window open. You know, 1969, when air conditioning was not a big deal yet. So in the summer months, she would leave your windows open to get some air while you slept. And this figure had climbed in. He was about a foot high and was watching her from the shadows and you know, he sat down on his, um, he climbed up her blankets and sat on her bed and she's watching him and he, he, um, was watching her and then she made a sound and turned on the light. And when she did that, um, he quickly scurried down and he just disappeared and she had no idea where he went. Is there anything that they don't like? Is there any warding off of gnomes? Or Not that I had come anything? across. Not that I had come across, but I want to finish that story that I was starting because this is an interesting twist on it. On oh. the night that this happened, um, it was almost like he was just sitting there staring at her, like he was keeping an eye on her. Now, this was 1969, so this would have been the, you know, the era of... Uh, the military and, you know, right after the Vietnam, around the Vietnam War and all that. Um, her dad was in the military, in the Army. And the next morning, her mother got a phone call from the Army saying that her father had been injured in an attack and would be home in about 10 days. She always assumed that this gnome was sitting with her because it um, was kind of trying to warn her or that news was coming. Now, why she thought that, I don't know, but, you know, she's all, that was her story and she stuck to it all her life that this one came as a token to help her, which is the only one I found that might have had a nice. You, well, beside the mind thing. Yeah, beside yeah. the mind one. And then, you know, I found other stories. I found a story about, um. A person who saw an orb, which we always associate with ghosts, mm -hmm. but this orb, it reminded me of the Tinkerbell story. It kind of floated around like a little ball of light, and then as it got close to the ground, it began to morph itself into a little man with green skin and green hair and um, a little green jacket and vest, and the people who saw it um, described it as looking very demonic-like with pointed ears and what have you. And very cold eyes. And it, it just sort of, um, it walked right out um, in front of them. And it walked over. And of all the weird things in the world, it stole this woman's father's shoes who were in the that were in the corner of the room. Why? <laughs> it can't fit in it. 
No. Right? And she actually says he stole the shoes and um, tried to put them on, but they would fall off because they were way too big. And it seemed like he got very, very frustrated and threw them finally. Um, and then he saw that she was watching and he just popped into a ball of light again and disappeared. Where'd he go? The fairy. I mean, there's a what's the fairy land like fairy dimension fairy. Well, it might be an alternate dimension or an alternate universe, or it could be that they live under the ground. Yeah. What if all cryptids, all fairies, all trolls, gnomes, everything are from a place where humans aren't, you know, like exactly like a fantasy world almost. Right. And I think we're probably getting fairly close to the end. So I'm going to tell this is my favorite one. And this was actually on, um, I think it was Myths and Monsters, I believe. But this is one of my favorite news. I've actually read the actual story, which was written by uh, another author in one of his books. And um, it was about this woman who contacted him and said she lived in this house. And I believe it was in California, out in the countryside. And um, there was a shed behind her house and she moved in and she had her grandchildren um staying with her a good bit at that point in time and her and her grandson small grandson were coming home with a bunch of groceries she got out of the car that night and this little entity now he was larger than the one or two foot ones that you see mostly he was about three and a half to four feet tall and he came out of the darkness and like the first clue she had that he was there was her grandson was staring past her petrified and she turned around expecting like a dog or something. And there was this little man and he made this kind of hissing noise and like, <laughs> and he starts laughing at her, this really creepy laugh. And she dropped her groceries, grabbed her grandson and ran into the house. Well, she went back out later on and picked up the stuff and came back in and they're in the house and she's trying to make light of it and tell him it's okay. And the other grand, other grandkids are there. They're a little bit older than he is. And um, she tries to get the kids involved in playing a game and she's, you know, keeping an eye out the whole time. And she sees one of the other kids pointing at the window and they're that petrified look again. He's pressing his face against the outside of the window, watching them kind of cu cupping his eyes and stuff to get the glare away so he can see what they're doing. And when she goes over and she tries to pull the blind so nothing can look in, he starts laughing uproariously, very loud, and they can clearly hear him. And this continues on for days and days off and on where like he just kind of comes out of nowhere and he terrorizes them. There's no other way to explain it. It's so bad. Like he would knock pots off and she would see him and she would hear the pot crashing and she'd hear. <laughs> and then it would go away. It was terrorizing her. And so eventually within a few months, she moved. She just left it behind. So there's this gentleman and he had a website about the paranormal and she eventually wrote the story and put it in there for him. He reads the story and he goes, Oh my God, where did you live? And she gave the address and, um, he said, I might need to talk to you again. Is there a contact number? So she said, yeah, you could contact me at this address and this phone number. Well, he had read the same type of story from another woman who had rented the house before her. 
and it was at the same address and had the same experience. Saw the same figure, described the same size, same clothes, same everything. And she had been terrorized by him. And she had moved out and had shared this story on the website like two or three years earlier. And when he read it, he's like, I've read that story before. And then he dug it back up and he was like, yes, there's two of them. And he actually, they actually met the two women and went back to the place and they were talking to the current owner and they said, oh, we had some problems with like raccoons or something knocking pots off and we'd hear these weird sounds and stuff. But once we tore the shed down in the back, it all stopped. And their thought was that this old abandoned shed in the back is where he took refuge. Oh. They just never went in the shed? It was an old potting shed. They they stored a bunch of like, you know, shovels and crap in it. Hmm. Maybe I he mean, didn't like other things in his space. Maybe not. But it was a creepy story, you have to admit. Yeah, well it's it's crazy that they both went to this one particular website and that's to submit. He- yeah, and that's what he's taught, and that he would read them and recognize them as. I mean, because like I have to tell you, I've run the paranormal asylum for a lot of years, and I won't swear that even though I read everything that goes on there, pretty much, um, particularly the individual accounts, you know, um, I won't swear to you I would remember one that somebody told me three or four or five years ago exactly, mm-hmm. um, and then know know how to lay hands on it. But he had something about that story had puzzled him, so he had kept a copy of it. And then when he saw the second one, that's when he started to ask questions and got the address from both the ladies and found it was the same place. It was the same property. Um, So, you know, there's this old saying that there are no coincidences. So I don't know. I think it's fascinating that they would both come up with the same thing. I'm glad the owner figured out a remedy, even though they thought it was raccoons. Well, I mean, it was like, it was kind of, and, and and people will do that. They'll hear that and they'll go, oh, that, you know, they talked themselves into it being the chattering of raccoons, but they were only there a few weeks, they said, before they had, they had the shed torn down and it stopped hmm. completely. Well, there you have it. Yep. I mean, take away their habitat, right? <laughs> Apparently. Maybe. So that is my last story of, of the gnomes and goblins and what have you for the night. Okay. What are you looking at? There was a ghost named Ben in the doorway asking me if I wanted to give <laughs> syrup to his 17-month-old children, and I do not. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, no. No. Do you know how sticky they will get? <laughs> I get alarmed every time you look off screen because you're not like, like, I look off screen a lot because I have two screens here, mm. but you don't. So I'm like, what are you looking at, Patty? He's waving Sarah at me going, for the little ones. And I'm like, no. <laughs> don't, don't do it. I don't want to clean that mess up. Don't do it. <laughs> they're sweet enough. They're, they're, they're French toast sticks. Let it be. <laughs> That's true. They are sweet enough. Well, Parapeep, if you enjoyed learning about gnomes and goblins. My uh, grandchildren. <laughs> and grandchildren. You might actually enjoy uh, the episode that we were talking about, the patron episode with trolls because it does sound like all this is like interrelated yeah interrelated or they're just they're all their own separate thing and they're not actually part of the larger like you know uh the trolls like a holder is a totally it's not actually a troll thing it's 
its own thing. You know, I was thinking maybe they're all the same, but maybe they're all actually different and they're not in these categories. Like they're not all trolls or all gnomes or all goblins or whatever. They're not types of, they're all separate. Maybe there's a lot of, um, yeah, there's just so much folklore, um, about all of this. And if you go to other cultures, Native American cultures and different other indigenous people cultures, you will still come across these stories are fascinating. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a, whatever they are, they're definitely international and not interchangeable. There's just so much, (laughs) so much Patty, but if you want so much more, see what I did there? Yes, I do. Go to our Patreon. Uh, there should be 22, I think, episodes at this point. And last week uh, on the main show, I posted a preview of one of our episodes of just a taste. Uh, and hopefully you like what you heard. So check out the link in the description. And also, if you want to get us not on video form, on audio or whatever, on the go, um, check out our link tree. It has all our information there, including our email. Uh, we'd like to get more stories from everybody because we probably should do like a person story episode so please write in and give us some stories so that we can do that Yeah, share your stories with us everybody has a family story or something that happened to them and some of you i know have had more than one episode of something happening to you yes that's for sure and i think that's it all right for the evening have a good night so yeah and apologies for my kids running amok upstairs too so kids galore these days yes there are um we'll catch you guys later yes good night